Hey guys, and welcome to Off the Beaten Real. Real. What? <laughs> Tell the people what we're doing here today, Kev. Uh, so we are, we decided to do a little spinoff of sorts where Dill came up with the idea of, hey, let's review some bad movies and talk about them. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think the the whole goal is to take the month of August off. So we're trying to do these um, while we're also recording our episodes. So um, we're trying to get these, not that we're trying to crank them out, but we also want to have some fun and do something a little bit different, which we're constantly trying to do something a little bit different. So without further ado, we are discussing Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation from 1995. Mm -hmm. So let's get into it. Magic charm, and I become, yes, I become your slave. Your voodoo kisses the jungle heat that fills my heart with a friendly beat that voodoo beat I crave. You touch me, and the throbbing. All right, Texas Chainsaw massacre the next generation um yeah i kind of picked a crappy horror movie just because it kind of plays into the things that i really like i love horror uh, i actually have a a side hustle doing a horror podcast that i haven't done in a long time but um the texas chainsaw massacre movies are kind of well known for being part of the like the, the farther the sequels go the worse they get and um, I don't know. I'm kind of excited to hear your thoughts getting into it. Yeah, I've got some uh, some blurbs and facts that I pulled if you want to get into those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this movie is sitting at a paltry 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, its budget was $600,000 and it only grossed, grossed 186000 So it was a huge flop, a huge flop, both critically and... And monetarily. So what we're about to talk about will make sense. And then I just pulled a a few quotes um, from one from Renee Zellweger, who's in this, and uh, a couple of critics as well. So uh, I'll just read them verbatim here. Uh, Renee Zellweger reflected on the film in 2006 interview, and it said uh, it was very low budget. So we all shared a tiny Winnebago that the producer of the film, it belonged to him. It was his personal camper, so, you know, makeup was in the front seats, and there was a table in the middle for hair, and there was a tiny little curtain by the bathroom. Uh, There was, that was where you put on your prom dress and your flower on. Uh, It was ridiculous. How we pulled it off, I have no idea. I'm sure none of it was legal. Anything we did was a little bit dangerous, but what an experience. It was kamikaze filmmaking. So that's from Renee Zellweger for herself. She was very, very young when this film was made. Um the actors seem to have generally positive things to say about this, but Mike Clark of USA Today called the film the kind of cinematic endeavor where you suspect both the cast and crew were obligated to bring their own beer. (laughs) That's, that's perfectly put. Yeah. Perfectly put. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very low budget. I mean, $600,000, even by 95, 94 standards when they were probably filming this is, Nothing. It's less than a million dollars. This this movie would probably cease to exist if it wasn't for Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey, because from what I read, um, 
when they finished the movie, they were like, we can't put this out. Like, <laughs> it's so bad. Um, and they re-released it in 1997 after Renee Zellweger was in Jerry Maguire. Um, mm-hmm. So if it wasn't for Renee Zellweger being in Jerry Maguire, this movie would probably be in the outskirts of the world. Um, and it's really a shame because I think it might be one of my favorite Matthew McConaughey appearances where he... I, he has nothing but good things to say about it, and why wouldn't he? He gets to basically be the Joker in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I, I've got one more quote before we start getting into plot yep. synopsis here. Uh, and it's from the Cincinnati Choir. Uh, Margaret Margaret McGurk um, also remo- remarked on the film's narrative and writing, the script, such as it is, establishes a new b- benchmark for incoherence, something about teens who wander away on prom night and run up against a family of psycho-cannibal thrill killers of, of course, there is no point to any of it. Either the humor or the creepy, though relatively bloodless mayhem, except maybe the permanent embarrassment of poor Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. Um, What's the, there to be embarrassed about? This 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 script is is embarrassing. I, <laughs> the script. I think in the, in, oh. in the year of our Lord 2022, it's more fun to have a campy movie in your catalog. It, yeah. This movie is campy as hell. It's it's at times goofy, and yeah, it's bad. But at least it's not like trying too hard to be good. Yeah, and I read I read some quotes from like the director about where he was trying to make a a satire on the state of horror at the time. But that seems very much like revisionist revisionist history to me. I think there's some belief that this was a good Texas Chainsaw yes. sequel, and it's just not. Yes, and. Uh, it's a real shame because this came out like right around the time Scream 1 came out and kind of just changed horror in general. So I think if it wasn't for Scream, this would probably be like horror would still be in the dark ages that it was in. But yeah, you want to do? Yeah, uh, I'll read a quick synopsis if you'd like. Okay, cool. Um, After leaving their prom early, innocent Jenny, who's played by Renee Zellweger, and three other teenagers crash their car in the backwoods of Texas. In their search for help, they run into Vilmer Slaughter, who's played by Matthew McConaughey, a vicious psychopath with a mechanical leg, and his twisted family, including the serial killer Leatherface. As the group of friends struggle to survive the maniacal methods of torture, Ginny discovers the secret origins behind the family's lust for blood. That, that may be the worst twist in all of horror history, by the way. We'll get to it eventually, yeah. but um, I just want to go... like beat by beat here if that's cool with you that's kind of how i took my notes on it yeah um i want to start with the movie poster that's on hbo max where it's just renee zellweger's lips with a cheesy chainsaw in front of it love it um it's it's perfect and i knew exactly what to expect Uh, you know i didn't quite get it because what i expected was gratuitous boobs and we only got one boob shot i was pretty disappointed by that usually even that seemed out of place yeah like horror like 80s horror is full of just half nude scenes that don't really exist uh, or shouldn't exist they're just there because they can because they wanted that r rating at the time and gore and i didn't get a really whole lot of gore either it's it's i think that that review from the inquirer was just spot on there's not a whole lot of it's not very gory for a texas chainsaw massacre movie so um yeah um i was shocked when i saw Renee zellweger and matt mcconaughey were the stars in this film um, and it's probably there's probably a good reason they don't talk about it much. So, yeah, I 
I think it's it's safe to say they got them. They lucked into these two very at a, at a time where they were like both on the cusp of like breaking big. And I'm sure there's other movies like this where people bank off of that like people break breaking big afterwards and they're like oh yeah you like that well check out the vhs of them from two years ago with a horror movie yeah. and i can't imagine how hard this movie was to find at blockbuster after jerry Maguire came out i'm sure it was yeah. being rented every day well even i think dazed and confused came out a year before this and that's an iconic mcconaughey role yeah so I mean, I think that might have been his first big break was was Dazed and Confused. So uh, I, they they were still very very young in this movie. I, I read something that uh, Matthew McConaughey's agent was trying to stop this movie from being made or from being released. Did you see that? No, I didn't. But it makes sense. I, I guess they thought he was like they were trying to like, you know, exploit his name for the sake of the the movie which he throws out an all right all right all right in this movie as well he does, it's he, incredible. Does, he does i fucking flip shit i was like yeah he said it yes he, he said the thing <laughs> um so yeah uh, i'll let you take take charge on on how you want to do notes uh sure um i just again i just as i saw things i kind of jotted them down in a little notes app here um I I traditionally don't find Renee Zellweger very attractive. Her very squinty face kind of is very harsh, but she's surprising. She's kind of attractive in this movie. Um, but yeah, no. Anyway, that's just the first note I had. We open with her putting on lipstick in a mirror. She's the 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 tropey like not not attractive quote unquote girl from high school who's kind of weird. Not another um, teen movie esque. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly what they were parodying in this. Take off your glasses and let your hair down. And oh, my God, one of those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we start off at prom. It's a classic, classic uh, expositional starting point for any horror movie for young teens. Uh, We start with Heather, I think is her name, right? Yeah. Uh, She's looking for Barry. And then we... I almost forgot about this girl until just now. Like the fucking tweaked out girl that comes out of the prom and just spouts nonsense for like 30 seconds. Like, I don't understand that. It was almost like they told her her lines and she was like, what if I read it like I was having a seizure? Yeah. What if I did a bunch of speed before I came in and just ad libbed? Bizarre. And it wasn't, (laughs) you got no other explanation besides her just like tweaking out and saying like, that teacher's just jealous. I don't, I, we're like, what the? Fuck? She's just a bitch. Like, what? What? What about the other guy in the parking lot? He's like, oh, the, the, you're, you're late the for the chaperone? wedding. Yeah, I fucking hate kids. <laughs> yeah, it's so strange. It's like they wanted to hit as many tropes as possible within the first five minutes. They got the the teacher who didn't want to be at the prom. He's drinking beers with his buddies or whatever. Uh, the disinterested teacher the the quirky whacked out friend who never appears again in the film by the way that kind of like set her up to be like a friend of heather's and she just disappears after her psychotic episode as heather runs out of the prom looking for barry um and where's Barry? Of course, Barry's necking with a far less attractive girl outside of prom, which kind of sets off the whole... Exp- that's the only exposition we get. That's It's like, oh, Heather storms off because Barry's cheating on her. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. And, yeah, we're going to talk about it in a minute. Barry's the best. 
And you know what? That girl he was macking with, she was like, you can go win her back. <laughs> yeah, she's like, she wasn't mad at all. She's like, hey, you know, I get, I get my time with Barry as I can. Yeah, I'm a side chick. I get it. I know, my, I know my role. I'm, I'm a practice girl. I get it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we again, we have Heather storming out in her far too classic car for a high schooler to be driving. I think it was we, Barry's it's in, car. It's implied that it's Barry's dad's car. It's never implicitly stated. Um, again, another trope. Oh, don't wreck my car. My dad's going to kill me. That thing. But they yeah. storm off. Barry hops in. And for some reason, Renee Zellweger and her date, I think Jason is his name. He's, I don't know. Sean. He's, Sean is his name. They're in the back seat, like ducking down, which would imply that they're hooking up. But then it's Barry very quickly dispels that notion by just ripping into Renee Zellweger's character. Like, nobody would ever sleep to you. You're afraid people are going to find out you have tits. I know what you're doing back here. You're just getting high. And it's like, why would you be, like, laying down on the backseat of a car if you're getting high? It's just so strange. I like I like to think that they were actually hooking up, but they just don't want people to know they were doing it. Sure. Because I think sure. later on, Re- Renee Zellweger's character says that that's her boyfriend. He's yes, like, I know you just hang out with him. But, yeah. Right. Um... Barry yeah, just then, goes on a tirade, dude. I, yeah, for no reason. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, when he when he yells at uh, Jenny, he's like, "You're just afraid for people to find out you have tits." She's like, yeah. "Heather's like Barry." He's like, "What? Girls have tits." <laughs> it's probably one of my favorite lines from any horror movie. And honestly, that might that whole car scene before they get inexplicably lost is is probably the most realistic to actual teenage conversation because it makes no it's all loosely connected, but it all of it makes no sense. Like none of what they're saying. Barry's really really mad for no reason. Um, Heather's He's mad character, at her for catching him and saying yeah. that Heather gave him blue balls and it's going to lead to prostate cancer. Uh, right. Yeah. And then they they spend a whole minute about how he uses the line that his dad's a doctor and that if he doesn't feel up their a girl's tits, he's good. They're going to get breast cancer. And that's just like his line. And I don't know. It's all kind of funny. Like it, Barry was in, immediately my favorite character. Cause he's just such a classic asshole for no reason. He just yells at everyone for no reason. You, um, you know, the second you meet Barry, like, Oh, this guy's going to die. Oh yeah. You're rooting for him one, to die. He's the first one to die. Um, uh, which is oh no he's not you're right he's not it's i sean is so forgettable that i forgot that he died <laughs> but anyway um they they get in a slight wreck they speed away it's inconsequential to the plot and then for some reason god knows why they turn into the woods they were on a road a public road there was construction and they were like, man Oh, what, is that what it was? I mean, yeah, I've just and not seen it. I don't think Heather hit the brakes the entire time she drove. <laughs> no, she didn't. But either way, as soon as they turn into the woods, you get some pretty good advice from Renee Zellweger's character. It's like, hey, why don't we just turn around? We're not lost. We could literally just not go down this road. <laughs> yeah, I think Heather says, like, oh, help me find a place to turn around. And then they just hit a car that comes out of literally yeah. nowhere. Why was dude tearing ass down the side road? Like who knows? Like the ex. There's no exposition in this movie. It's like we have to do something to to have an inciting action, 
But so let's just have a nameless, faceless character T-bone these kids who were driving down this country road for no reason. And that's it. That's the exposition. That's that's what starts everything. It's a bunch of teenagers who turn down a dirt road for literally no reason, um, who could have just easily turned back. Why, how did they get lost in their own hometown? Uh, it's just, it's it's nonsense. Because then a lot of the, 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 the conceit of a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacres is that they're on a road trip. And they have to turn off because they're lost. And they don't know where they're going. But these kids, this is their hometown. <laughs> they don't know where they're going. Just turn around. Like, I saw my I saw my street, like, two, two, two uh, crossroads back. Let's just turn around. It makes no fucking sense. <laughs> It's it's it, even by schlocky horror standards, this is a wild way to start a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I I was cracking up the entire time because Heather just was like foot on the gas the entire time. Yeah, and then the guy gets out of the car and he's like, "I'm okay, I'm okay," and then he passes out. And Barry's like, "He's <laughs> he's alive. He's just he's yeah. unconscious." Yeah, my dad's a doctor. Yeah, yeah, my dad's a doctor. I know. Um. But yeah, once the guy passes out, they're like, okay, so somebody has to go get the cops, whatever. Um, and then they kind of argue, and then for some reason, Sean is the one that gets left behind. It's never The argument makes no sense. It's like Renee, like Heather's care, uh, no, not Heather, Jenny, is like, well, I'm going to go. Are you guys going to come with me? And then they just decide, okay, we'll go with you. It's just like, whatever. Um but they stumble through, and uh, Heather's character the whole time is just explaining horror tropes, which I thought was pretty funny. It's like, this is exactly what they want you to do. And she's like a, like the meta, like breaking the third wall character, which is funny, which is it's kind of counter to this may have been a little bit of like uh, tongue in cheek dialogue from her. But I think this was the only like intentional tongue in cheekness in this movie. Way too heavy handed, though. Like Heather yeah, was yeah. like, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. Mm-hmm. We're going to die. I mm-hmm. bet she said it six times. Yeah. You can't go off in the woods. That's what they want. They're going to cut us up into little pieces with the chain. I don't know if she said with the chainsaw, but it yeah. wouldn't have surprised me. Um, but they end up stumbling into just a random trailer at the end of this dirt road. And it's this like business a, a, a small town, right? They're like yeah. a, a small town that you would assume is pretty close to their hometown. And you would assume they walked back the same way they drove, but they didn't i guess (laughs) so um they end up stumbling into this trailer smaller than my living room and a woman who's dressed in full business business attire for some reason at midnight she's just hanging out doing something no one knows she's business but they yeah i guess i don't know uh but they they stumble in they're like we need to call the cops she's like okay okay let me call she talks to vilmer whatever but no, she calls the cops first and she gets an answering machine after after two rings. <laughs> and she's like, you know what? I, I know the tow truck guy. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the cops don't have a fucking answering machine. Uh, what? Went straight to voicemail. They're, They're dodging my calls. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shucks. Let me let me call the tow truck guy. It's, it's just, it's so, it's everything in this first 20 minutes of this film is just, it's like on. It's something like plot points that would normally take like forty minutes to develop. This they they condense it down to like ten minutes. It's it's so funny to watch. It's like okay, we got to do this. It's a story. It has to have a beginning. We can't just start cutting people with chainsaws. Um, 
Darla is so oh, yeah. aggressive. Is that her name, Darla? Yeah. She's yeah. like, these these tits paid for themselves. Like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And then she just flashes people driving by. Yeah, she, somebody threw a brick or like a rock through the window. It's like, oh, these farm boys are always trying to do something to get me to flash them their tits. Like, what? Why would throwing a rock through your window be an impetus for flashing your tits? You, you'd imagine she just <laughs> flashed them for no reason. Yeah, I mean, she just she just likes it. She's an exhibitionist. Um, but yeah, this is Goosebumps level acting. Like, Goosebumps the TV show from the 90s level acting. Um, except from the actual stars, we get like a good level, good acting from Renee Zellweger and, and, uh, Matt McConaughey. Um, I skipped a whole lot because I was just enjoying Vilmer's character, but we have seen Vilmer at this point. He, he pulls up to the scene and immediately is menacing. Like, but, but the first thing I noticed is when he has a fucking bionic leg for no reason. <laughs> it's never explained. It's, it's so never explained. Uh, yeah, he walks up and Sean, he's like, oh, this kid's dead. And Sean's like, no, he's alive. And he's like, cracks his neck. It's probably yeah. the most horrific thing we see on this in this movie. Yeah. And then he chases Sean throughout the woods. And all Sean had to do was get off the road and he would have been okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's classic horror, right? All you need to do is just turn slightly left or right, and you're okay. Um, we see that again a little bit later in the first, like, Renee, well, when Vilmer's chasing Renee Zellweger's character. Um, but yeah, no, that, I mean, that whole scene was actually kind of terrifying. Like, look, McConaughey plays a, a psychopath really well. Um, I think he just kind of had fun with this movie. Uh, and I really like Vilmer's character. I talk about it again later when he picks up Renee. Um, I like his character because he doesn't like monologue at all. He's just like, I'm going to kill you. He's an agent of chaos and I love it. Yeah. Any, yeah. Like any movie with an agent of chaos, I, I I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. And like when he snaps the dude's neck and Sean's like, what are you doing? He's like, well, flips open his knife. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> all right. I guess there's, there's no real grand scheme behind this stuff. Huh? You just like to kill people. When, when Sean, kinda... Sean takes off and he lights a cigarette and he's like, well, racing fans. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his character is, is cool until we see far too much of him. Uh, he felt like a twisted metal character. Yes, 100%. He's a twisted metal character. It's, 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 uh, it's, that's actually a really good observation. This has, this has a very twisted metal-ish feel to it, mm -hmm. where there's just loose, loose motivations for everything, for the the amount of murder that's going on, which admittedly is not much. There's not much murder in a chainsaw massacre. Um, it leaves uh, you, it I, leaves you wondering if people actually died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody actually died. Um, but yeah, we go. We 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 skip back to. Uh, Barry and the the other two girls walking down the road to go back to check on Sean. Uh, a, a car drives by that doesn't stop, and Barry and Heather decide to follow that car. For what? Like, what is the what is the plan for wandering onto someone's property when they could have easily just been back to the car by the amount of time it took them to walk to this person's property? Like a mile, they they said that it's a mile down the road. Like that's not far. <laughs> You can walk that in like 20 minutes. It doesn't take that long. It's like, what are we? What is the plan? Like again, there's nothing cohesive about anything that happens or is said in this movie. No. Um, but yeah, we cut to Barry like going around the back of the house, and then he runs into 
the philosopher redneck which is w now yeah w he 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 has replaced barry as my favorite character at this point in the movie um he what is it what's the first quote he says like a ulysses s grant quote or something like that he's like that's that's grand did you know that of course you did and you're a fucking idiot he's like <laughs> sound bites of all of like <laughs> historical presidents that's all he wants to do is quote i think he calls william shakespeare billy shakespeare later on too mm-hmm. At, mm-hmm. we is just a wild character he was not giving any direction he was given he followed it to a t he's like i'm gonna quote yeah. presidents and i'm gonna get this cow poke and just poke the shit out of people <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. gonna be my yeah, job. Cat, yeah, the cattle prod comes in a little bit later. Um, but yeah, no, we we cut back to Heather, who's given up throwing a tantrum at the door, um, to sit down on the the porch swing, and Leatherface sneaks up behind her, and it's like it's, it's f- goes on far too long, where he's like trying to like grab her, and then like she feels him, and he like squats him away, and like Leatherface is an insane criminal. He's not quiet or sneaky or anything. So it just makes no sense. Um, that was Scooby Doo esque. Yeah, yeah, it really was. It really it was. was. Like, I think Leatherface sucks in this movie. He's not. It's not a good Leatherface. Um, and I think this probably shouldn't be a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. It should be named after Filmer or something like that. I I think. It was always implied that there was a bunch of family members involved in the mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw. Mm-hmm. And this was written actually by the person that wrote the original Texas Chainsaw. So it's shame cra- on him. crazy that this per- – I think it's a she too. Uh, it's, a sh- it's a shame that we got this. Um, yeah. I agree. Um, Leatherface is a whiny – very confused on what Leatherface is supposed to be with – his or her or they's identity because yeah. it it just seems like they this person screams at the top of their lungs does nothing but like get yelled at like a like almost like a big child yeah like a big old doesn't, toddler doesn't kill anyone either no um <laughs> so yeah i know and i i had the epiphany as i was watching kind of the initial kind of chase through the house with heather with leatherface where he puts her up on the meat hook or whatever um that you cannot convince me otherwise that this version of leatherface was not a direct inspiration for mankind like i know mick foley watched this movie and saw the weird mask the kind of fat guy in the disheveled shirt and the sweatpants and the screaming and the wild ineffectiveness of him and didn't think that could be a wrestler mankind meets kenny powers yeah yeah the hair too like it was very reminiscent of mankind's hair and yeah but kenny powers is a is a more direct uh, inspiration for the haircut for sure um but yeah so we get a we get a chase scene um with heather's character where he gets she gets locked in a freezer kicks her way out twice somehow um I, I stopped paying attention for a little bit here because i was trying yeah. to take notes but how incredible and then, was uh, it when barry comes he get he locks his he gets on the other side of the house and locks we out and he starts just like moseying through the house like heather yeah. uh god tried to kill me and i i locked him out so <laughs> you should see me out there like what yeah the f- what are you doing barry and, and, 
he's like, man, I got to take a piss. And so he's just looking for the bathroom and then finds the bathroom and then takes a piss. What are you doing? There's a guy with like a a door wouldn't stop a shotgun. Right. (laughs) It's also this guy's house. He surely has a house key. Like, or was it a deadbolt? Either way, the guy could get in through the back. You know what's incredible too is W didn't even try to get in the house. No, he didn't. He didn't try to shoot through the door while Barry was very clearly yelling on the other side. He could have just shot through the door and killed him. He just kind of like, he's like ineffectively ah, foiled poked again. at the door. Ah, damn it. A thin wooden door. That's Those always stop shotgun bullets at point blank range. Um, it's really, it's really incredible. Um, and then Barry, I, Barry dies in this scene, right? I, I missed this part. Um, yeah, he gets hit in the face with a hammer, and then he gets like his face stomped in. Okay, yeah, I, I for some reason I might have been getting up to get a drink or something like that, but I missed Barry dying because it I was came back very quick, and I, yeah. I almost questioned if he actually died. I like to think that Barry becomes part of the family in a later. We never film. see him again. Yeah, yeah, we never see him again. So who knows? Um, but yeah, I came back to the first meeting of the stars, if you will, where Renee Zellweger and Matt McConaughey meet each other. And uh, she's like, Hey, do you know where Sean is? Or, you know, are you the guy that picked up the car, pulled the cars off the road? He invites her in and immediately is like, they have a little bit of awkward silence, but he's like, she explains, or he explains like how, you can't trust anybody these days age. And he's like, they I can't stand it. They have a lack of imagination and immediately just goes into like, I'm going to kill you again. It's the best part about having zero like exposition. It's just like, who cares about character development? This guy is going to murder people. It's great. Yeah. Every time they're on scene, they're in a scene together. It was like, Oh, this is magnetic. Like he's like grabbing her face and she's like pushing back. It was awesome. The, he's the- incredible incredibly violent with renee zelliger in this movie like like really grabs her and whips her around quite he spits on her three times at one point he, he smacks the shit out of darla too and it wasn't like a <laughs> a fake smack he he was really smacking her around um yeah sorry i cut you off there what were you saying oh that was it just basically okay you know he's them two together the first time yeah that was one of the few times i was like kind of on pins and needles because I didn't know if they were going to kill Renee Zellweger, but she takes yeah. off in the woods, makes it all the way to the house, and he's, like, chasing her. Oh, man. And he just yeah. has so many good little lines. Yeah. Um, his, his, he doesn't he doesn't die. He doesn't monologue at all. He just, like, he's like, I'm going to kill you, and then does, except for when Renee Zellweger runs into a very thin thicket that's five feet away from the end of the truck, and she just stands there. He gets out of the truck. He's like, well, is he sure this is what you want? And he just gives up. He could have just easily drove in into this very small thicket and killed her, which is what he wanted to do. Um, it's just, it's so strange. Um, but what that leads into is my favorite part of the movie, which is the first scene with um, Renee and Leatherface, where Leatherface appears out of the woods. And there's just so many things that are silly about this scene. Uh, it, do you want to talk about it at all first? Uh, it needs Benny Hill music. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. It's it's so dumb. This is why did Renee run? Renee, why did she run up the roof? Why didn't she just jump down from the roof? Why did she, Leatherface stop? She went Go to ahead. the highest point of the house. She climbed the antenna, dude. 
she climbed she climbed to the she went up the stairs bad move went to the roof bad move went to the top of the antenna and scaled the cable line Mm -hmm. all the way to Mm -hmm. a tree it's crazy like why did why did leatherface just stop at the chimney and then proceed to cut the chimney with the chainsaw for no reason he just ineffectively flails it um yeah, why did she climb up the antenna? Why did Leatherface wait in the greenhouse until Renee Zellweger had recovered her wits? How did he even get down there? Uh, why the fuck is this small lady just sitting in this trailer doing nothing in full business suit? It makes no sense. I love it. It's it's it, the whole scene. It's probably like, what, five, six, seven minutes long? And there's no tension. It's just all goofiness. It felt like it, it went should, on forever. Yeah, it did, but I was laughing the whole time because I was like, "People make bad decisions in horror movies. That's part of the 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 charm of them." But every single one of these was bad, not only by the person being chased, but by the person doing the chasing. The the Leatherface chopping at a chimney with a chainsaw one wouldn't work. Two, it would dull the the chainsaw. I'd probably snap the chain. <laughs> three why did he stop why the fuck did he stop she was literally two feet away from him he could have just went a downward stroke and she'd be dead he just let i don't like this chimney anymore yeah let me use my chainsaw it's baffling how bad the action is in this movie and then when, um, when she gets to darla it was like oh boy here's another horror trope mm-hmm. she makes it back to darla's trailer and she thinks darla's gonna be her reprieve but Darla's the one that called called Vilmer in the first place. Yeah. What are you doing, girl? Yeah. And uh yeah, she like throws her in the trunk and she's like, I gotta go pick up pizza. Her and W.E. <laughs> like throw her in the trunk and they go to get pizza and doesn't like gag her or anything. She just like puts a bag over her head and yeah. goes through the drive thru of a pizza place. Yeah. A pizza slash jer- burger joint. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. It's called it something. It's called like Bozo's Burgers or something dumb like that. Um, what really killed me about that scene was the pol- the absolute stellar police work in that scene. Just like <laughs> they see something mysterious going on. And he's like, well, somebody has to go. And then you can hear her saying, if I cut a hole in the bag, will you stop kicking? Like The dude's three feet away. And she closes the, the trunk. And she's like, he's like, what do you got in the trunk there? And he's like, Oh, I don't think you want to know. And he just is like, okay. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> You're right. Um, it's just it's it's ineptitude in every single way. This whole this whole movie is an exercise in ineptitude from every single character. You know who it's the, crazy. You know who the female cop is? No. Stone Cold Steve Austin's ex wife. Okay. That's an interesting little factoid. Uh, yeah, I she was one of the ones that had like a blue label over her name. In the uh, Wikipedia, and I clicked on. It, I was like, "Oh, no way!" Yeah, she was a wrestler turned actor. Yeah, um, yeah. But so we get back to the house. Um, Vilmer beats the shit out of Darla for no reason because um, I guess his batteries weren't charged in the remote that controls his leg. Can, can we talk about Darla hitting uh, Heather? Because Heather yeah, gets with away. Stick? Yes, <laughs> that was so it's bad. A, it was an attempt to add comic relief, and it's just. When it's, everything's been goofy, there's no comic relief needed. Yeah, and she doesn't... Saying she hit her with a stick is a gross overstatement <laughs> of what actually happened. She, like, lightly tapped her. 
it's just not funny and like i don't know it just is a bad scene i don't know it's just it didn't need to be there yeah totally so. unnecessary but yeah she gets there she brought home the pizza no one else mm-hmm. seems to care the pizza's nope. getting cold and he's slapping her mm-hmm. around for not charging her batteries yep she's the only one working around here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah and then like there's a scene where um Darla is dressing. Are we have we made it to that point yet? I've I've lost the script a little bit. What what's hap- what goes on? You take over plot synopsis for Okay. A bit. Um uh at some point I think um Jenny tries to get away. She doesn't succeed. Um and he's like we're going to get ready for dinner. And I think she grabs a shotgun at one point. And that's probably one of my favorite scenes was yeah when she grabs a shotgun, she's like, he wouldn't have put it in front of you for no reason. Like, he wants you to think you have a chance, but you don't. And he, like, cuts himself with a knife, and she tries to shoot him with a shotgun, and obviously the first the first bullet wasn't in there. And uh, he, sh- he lets her know there was a second bullet in there, and he shoots out the window, and he does, like, the, the cry from Star Wars, which mm-hmm. was... I was fucking laughing out loud, dude. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's just like sweaty. Like I believed his character was just psychotic. Yeah, he did. He did so much more than the script allowed him to do, which is good. Good on him. I mean, so I was in the right place of the script. So there's a part where Darla is dressing up Jenny for the dinner or whatever. Yeah. Or no, does that come? Li- no, that happens now. Um. And uh, she explains that, like, Vilmer is part of, like, a, an assassin's guild. And, like, that's the main twist in this film is, like... I was assuming, not, like, Illuminati. Yeah, well, that's what it ends up being. But it, they, it's, it's, it's just such a bad twist. Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre family is a family that lives out in the woods and they're assumed to be incestuous kind of like a hills have eyes situation where they're just insane from the isolation yeah Yeah, the isolation but now it's no vilmer belongs to some secret society that is that killed jfk (laughs) yeah killing jfk and like plants a chip in darla's brain and like He's doing it for a good... It just makes no fucking sense. It's so thinly explained. I I think the best part about that is that, like, that's probably what Vilmer's been feeding Darla. But Mm -hmm. Jenny's like, you're dumb. Like, what are you doing involved with all this? This house is is desolate. It's in disrepair. And you're coming over here, like, getting smacked around by a guy with a bionic leg. And you think he's planted a chip in your head? Like, get your head out of your ass, dude. Yeah. Jenny yeah, she's is like the a, only levity you get in this whole movie. Yeah, she's like a weird voice of reason throughout the entire thing. It's kind of like the audience surrogate, right? So yeah. it's like, what are you doing? Like, this makes no sense. You're the only one that believes this guy's bullshit. Um so we get we get we cut from that, we go to the actual dinner room with the cor- the corpses uh, lining the table. Um and Leatherface is a woman now. He looks he looks very pretty. It shows um, us getting Leatherface getting ready, which is wild. Yeah, it's a direct uh, callback to the opening scene of the movie because it's very similar to the way it's the the 
cinematography is the same. I think that was intentional. It, yeah. it fell flat either way. Um, but this scene devolves into this is where the script. I think they were all on multiple drugs, sleep deprived, because not a single bit of dialogue from any of the characters connects. Vilmer's screaming crazy shit. Darla is doing God knows what. We is just spouting off nonsense from philosophers. Leatherface is not doing anything. Heather's and none alive. Of it, Heather's alive. Um, none of it connects. It makes no sense. It's. It, it was. I, I think I texted you at this point. I was like, this dialogue was written by an AI. It had to be. It's just so strange. And then it kind of. This is where he spits on uh, Jenny like three times. You can actually see like a piece of pizza hanging off of her chest in the in the film, which is disgusting. It's so gross. Like he actually spit on her yeah. multiple times. Like you can see the fucking loogies come out of his mouth. And it's just it continues to devolve. And then Darla spots a limo outside the window. For Again, not explained. Um, is this before or after he, he set Heather on fire? It's after. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's part of the madness where he just all of a sudden, like, I'm going to set this girl on fire now. Uh, this is already after he bit her nose off. Um, <laughs> uh, Poor Heather. The, she's yeah, the only the one that got tortured. Yeah, she's the only one that experienced the torture they were trying to inflict on everyone because uh, Jenny's character is just like, this is stupid. I'm not falling for this. Um yeah, she gets set on fire and then passes out. And then Weird Tux Man shows up, who I think is French. I think. I, I don't think, know his accent. I think they call him Mr. Rothman. Yeah, his accent cannot be parsed for in any way, shape, or form. And then he like has this, he looks at the scene, backs Matthew McConaughey into a corner, and he seems to be like a scared of him. And he's like, this is very clearly the, the powers that be. Um, and he's just like, don't you don't want to be a silly boy, do you? And it's just, he says that over and over again with, again, zero explanation as to what this character is. Um, and then in ex- horror. I, yeah, well, that ex- that's explained in the very last scene of the movie, right? Where he, he sits down with her and he kind of ex- loosely explains what's going on. But then the most disgusting part of the movie happens where old dude, Mr. Rothman, unbuttons his shirt slowly and we see the worst most disturbing prosthetic i've ever seen in my life it's like he's got like a weird like body modification on his stomach and he's got three piercings above his belly button and it's like weird nipples and like he goes up to jenny's character and like licks her face and then leaves nothing happens (laughs) why did he do it why did he why is this man who seems to be a savior just licking this person's face after showing his just horrible, horrible torso, which again is never brought up again. Why does he have such a, <laughs> a maligned torso? Was it like Illuminati? What nobody knows? I, sure, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Is that what the Illuminati does? Do they body modify like that? It's... Yeah, and then the, I think one of my favorite parts of the movie is that Jenny finally gets away and gets in the car. And starts driving. Matthew McConaughey's yell before he jumps on her car and chase. He jumps from the second story window. How he got up there, I don't know. He ran up the second story, ran and jumped. But he made the. <laughs> I can't even do it. I want to, but I can't. 
um he makes us like and fucking jumps on her car (laughs) and causes her to wreck the car all she had to do was get away she was so close yeah um but he yeah he she wrecks a car he drags her back inside they torture her again for a little bit and then she somehow steals the steals the remote to his leg and starts fucking with it yeah which is like again far too long of a scene they're like (laughs) they like uh they wrestle over this remote for and by the way he has like 10 remotes for his leg in his his pocket and so they're like she has one he has another they're both pressing the button to make his leg like extend and retract and like for some reason that means he can't just grab a, a straight hold of her it's 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 wild dude uh it's absolutely wild um but yeah no she starts to run through the woods Leatherface is chasing her again in really poor form and then it's morning and we find my final favorite characters in the movie the uh the spottish couple Drinking Bloody Marys in the morning. Yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Spottish driving their RV down a country road, um, drinking Bloody Marys. Um, They see Renee running, like stop in front of them. And Mrs. Mrs. Spottish is like, don't, don't you dare stop. Uh, And then they see Leatherface chasing her and they drag her in and then immediately wreck. (laughs) Immediately wreck. Um, Because uh, Leatherface has now gotten onto Vilmer's uh, wrecker. And the way the reason they wreck is because Leatherface lightly taps the side of their RV with the chainsaw. When you're drinking with one, or when you're driving with a Bloody Mary in one hand and the steering wheel in the other, anything's going to disrupt that. Yep. Any any light change in your center of balance is going to make you flip over a hay bale and explode. (laughs) The Spottish couple is in the movie for thirty seconds, and they're my favorite. They're the best, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. This plane comes out of absolute nowhere. I read online that uh, people theorized that it's the grandpa who looked like an, a dead man who just like gets up at one point. He just like gets up and goes and gets the airplane and he goes and kills Vilmer. Yeah, we didn't explain that. The, 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 the table of corpses, they weren't, one of them actually wasn't a corpse. <laughs> this is a guy that WE was just spouting nonsense to. And he just gets up and like shuffles off at one point during the dinner. But I like that theory. I like that he was like the secret savior of this movie. Um, Renee gets out of the the the, uh, the wrecked RV somehow. The Spottishes don't survive, but Renee does, and they get run down the road. And then inexplicably, this this crop dusting plane swoops just low enough to cut Vilmer's neck. Who is and that? Who is in between Leatherface and Jenny? <laughs> <laughs> This guy is precision. Yeah, it's precision driving in that airplane. Yeah, not to mention that would have, I'm assuming, really messed up the props, and that guy would have certainly crashed. Um, but yeah, Vilmer getting killed by a drive-by crop dusting is the only way this movie could have ended, and it completely redeemed everything. It's so funny. There's almost no blood. No, <laughs> which is also funny to me. Uh, I like that Leatherface just like cries for a second and then dances off with its yeah with their chainsaw, just spins around into into infinity with his <laughs> chainsaw. It's it's wild, dude. But then you know, obviously, not obviously, but Mister Rothman shows up. Renee gets in, and then he explains what they're trying to do. Just like make people experience like the thrill of 
death and like kind of i don't know he doesn't explain it very well and he's like do you want to go to the police station or the hospital she goes to the hospital um and that's it that's the end of the movie actually at the (laughs) very very end she sees like uh the girl from the very first movie going by in a gurney is that who that was okay because i the girl that survived the first texas chainsaw yeah. Okay. So I knew they they exchanged a glowing glance or knowing glance. Yeah. And I was like, well, okay, who's this girl? Clearly, somebody who's gone through the pro the quote unquote program before. Um. But yeah, then we end with Leatherface spitting into oblivion, and that's the end. Truly, truly, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh man, it was so fun. And what what's crazy is that like. We had so much leading up to like getting to know Heather, Barry, and Sean, and we spent almost no time with them. Uh, we didn't get to see Heather's tits. I'm pretty disappointed about that. She was <laughs> almost almost exclusively cast for the, a nude scene. Um, there's no other reason she was in the movie. Um, Dar- Darla fell on that sword. Darla fell on that sword. Um, yeah, I mean it's it, it's think of your classic schlocky horror like any of the jason movies past like the fourth one um really any horror from the 80s your evil deads stuff like that and then multiply the the horrible factor by about a hundred and that's what this movie is oh i know i i was so once i i remember seeing it way long ago and watching it again i was like god i just love how bad this is it's lovably bad it's miserable it's it's I it's lovely bad because it makes no sense. It's not, I don't know. I enjoyed watching it for sure. Um, would I watch it again? Probably not. <laughs> G- yeah. Give me a few years. I was going to watch it again and like take more in depth notes, but I remember everything that happened verbatim because, because nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you have to remember tiny details because there were no tiny details in this movie. Um, Matthew McConaughey, obviously a standout. Jenny was a great final girl. Those two definitely were carrying the heavy load. And if the budget for this movie was $600,000, I don't know how much they got paid, but they deserve more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting to see, like go back through like these pretty famous actors, like early careers and just see the shit that they did. Um, I had no idea. Again, I had no idea either one of them was in this movie. Until I, I saw the opening credits, and I was like, holy shit, okay. <laughs> I actually watched an interview with Matthew McConaughey on how he got this job. He was, like, finishing acting school, and they asked him if he knew anyone that was good for this horror movie. And he was like, yeah, actually, I have a few buddies. And then he's like, I walked out, got my car, and he's like, you know what? I want to try out for that movie. So he went in there, and they basically had him read through some lines. And he was like, I love this role because it's free form. You get to just, it gets to be as eccentric as you let it be. And Mm -hmm. it kind of shows how uh, he gets, he got typecasted a lot in the two thousands for being like the rom-com guy, the Mm -hmm. the goofy rom-com guy that loves to be shirtless, but he has range in this movie for just being like, this was what I felt like he could have been all along and he showed yeah. it in like true detective where he was unhinged mm-hmm. a little bit and i don't know i loved it for that and there was redeemable qualities in this movie for sure yeah i mean 
like I said, the ending was so perfect for me because it was so it fits so well with the theme of the film of just dumb shit happening for the sake of dumb shit happening. So yeah. um, if I could give it a score, I would give it. I don't know. Um, like a, a good scale. I would give it one and a half cross-dressing leather faces. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say 1.75 cross-dressing Texas Chainsaw oh, Massacre. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I just enjoyed it so much that uh, I did not think I would. Yeah. I, I mean, it's I, I I love bad movies. That's, that's no secret. It's, yeah. it's my favorite genre of movie. Um, and that's kind of why movie. we're doing it is because we're having fun with it. Yeah, 100%. Um, do you know what movie you're picking for next week? No, I have some ideas. Uh, Velocipaster is a great movie. It's a, it's it's made to be bad, which is not normally my thing. I like movies that are trying to be earnest and just end up being bad. Um, but it's so funny. So we might do that. Um, we might do Jim Cotta. I don't know. Um, I toyed around with Birdemic, but that's so miserably long that I don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll figure it out. There's some options on the table. For so. sure. I've seen a lot of bad movies in my life, so I'll pick some. <laughs> yep, I'm excited. Um, yeah, first week, done. Happy August, everyone. Um, Happy August. Go check out our Twitter, at OffClef. Our Instagram is at OffTheBeatenClef. And our Gmail is OffTheBeatenClef at gmail.com. All right. Thanks for listening, right. guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. So there you are, guys. Off the beaten reel. There it is. We missed you guys. Yeah, we did. We missed you guys. We me and Bill were just talking, and um, Bill brought up the fact that we, like, at this point in time, we still have a couple weeks left of like pre-recorded shows. Um, even though we're talking about the end of it, um, when we're recording this, we're recording this early. Time's as well. crazy, man. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. Um, but yeah, we were like, Dill was like, how did you feel about it? I was like, I fucking hated it. <laughs> it's like, it took all the structure out of my life other than work. And so it's like, now I've got all this fucking free time to do fuck all with. And uh, I didn't do anything with it. So um, it'll be good to get back. Uh, we miss you guys. Um, yeah. So with that in mind, we'll we, get into what we're doing. Go ahead. Yeah, we got big plans, man. We do. We got big plans. Uh, so I decided while Bill was gone, I was going to do a deep dive into Guar and finally listen to their entire discography. It's beefy. It's I think it's 13, 14 albums at this point, including their newest one that just released uh, this year. So we're going to do Scumdog September and do we're breaking up the eras of Guar kind of arbitrarily. It's more just like picking album like picking chunks of albums and just breaking it up into different eras so we can do make playlists for it uh it was the only way to really fairly cover a, such a big discography it's i mean it's almost 40 years of music at this point so um I, i'm looking forward to it because I, I loved my deep dive and i can't wait to like share you on some of the shit that i got to experience in the past month yeah well we're we're gonna we're gonna dive right in and i i've listened to it kind of intermittently because we were kind of tossing around ideas of how we wanted to cover Guar because there is so much music. And uh, we kind of decided on doing playlists, which we already enjoy doing. And it gives us a chance to 
have these big playlists from certain eras. So the first one we're going to do is the the quote-unquote the early years from 1988 to 1995. Uh, we're going to cover 1997 to 2001 and week two. Week three is going to be 20, or 2004 to 2013. And then our fourth and final week is going to be 2017 to current. Yep. So we're very excited. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of playlists coming out uh, with uh, all gore. And we are... We are just excited to be back. Well, we feel refreshed. I'm ready to fucking roll. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready to get back into it, get back to recording. Um, it feels really like I, I missed it so much. Like I was listening to old episodes. Like I, <laughs> I, I miss talking to you, man. I do too. Um, uh, yeah, we talked almost every day, so it. Yeah, it hasn't changed much. much besides just recording. So yeah. Um, yeah. It's another shameless plug to our Discord. Join the Discord. Uh, we have a lot of fun stuff going on in there. Uh, one of our friends, Mason, is doing trivia nights. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we're doing movie nights once a week uh, pretty consistently with our friend Sammy kind of leading the charge on that. And a ton of discussion. It's it's The highlight of my day is checking our Discord and seeing what people are talking about and discussing music and just discussing everything. So it's really yeah. a fun place to be, even if you aren't. 100% into all the stuff we talk about. If you didn't want to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre of the Next Generation, I kind of don't blame you, but you can get on there and, and uh, talk shit and uh, help us plan the next movie night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had it horror-themed for a minute, but we have got we got off that last week. Um, or the last two weeks, really. We watched Back to the Future and Ghostbusters. So we've been a kind of an 80s kick. Um, but... You know, you could suggest whatever you want, and it's up to a vote. And we'll, uh, we'll whatever we vote on is what we'll watch. So that's fun. Um, it's fun watching Louis drop in his random memes. Um, I don't have to go on Facebook anymore because that's one of the only reasons I would go on Facebook is to see Louis's memes. So yeah. now he just drops them in the Discord. Um, it's a lot of fun. I, I really do enjoy it, and it's it's a small community, but we all are welcome. Oh yeah, we we welcome it a hundred percent, and we have a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, join that and get ready for Gwar. We're going to be doing Gore all September, and then we got a lot of fun stuff planned for October. So mm-hmm. um, we can't wait to see you guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye.